What's up, everybody? It's your friendly neighborhood black man, Jamar Berg, aka the sophisticated black man. And this week's episode is going to be one that I've been waiting to do, but not exactly. I didn't exactly know when I wanted to do this episode. Um, just because it's not necessarily political, but it's just I, I wanted to place this, you know, this episode at the right time. But today we're going to talk about one of my other favorite topics, and that's guns. Specifically, how most, if not all, gun laws that were created before we as African American people were even considered citizens are racist. I know that was a very loaded statement just now, but let me shorten it for you. All, any, well, again, some, if not all, gun laws aren't inherently racist. It's specifically against black people. And then I talk about my experience with firearms, and I'm not going to say specifically which ones I have, but just, you know, I'm going to talk about my experience with firearms, uh, you know, training with those that, you know, have grown up on firearms and have also, you know, just firearms, well, not experts, but people that are very enthusiasts as well. Um, kind of just people that like the sport, the sportingness of it. Um, but without further ado, let's get right into it. So, of course, um, firearms uh, is the proper term to call guns. Um, just because there's a multitude of guns, I guess. But I'm mainly talking about kind of the small caliber to large caliber firearms that are consistent of ARs, which I'm going to start this off now. This, this is the episode where terminology is going to be very key. Um, an AR does not stand for assault rifle, okay, or assault weapon, because literally anything could be used as as an assault weapon. Um, I have a lamp with the light bulb on it that could be considered an assault weapon. Uh, my laptop that I'm recording this episode could be used as an assault weapon. Uh, my fist is a prime example of something that is an assault weapon, okay. Or sometimes some people say automatic rifle, which there's they are still wrong because in terms of civilians, we thank the Lord can't own automatic rifles. And there's there's a multitude of reasons behind that. But AR an AR fifteen is not an assault rifle fifteen, not an automatic rifle fifteen. It is. It stands for Armalite 15, which little little firearm manufacturing history here. Um, as far as you know, the U.S. and how it's developed its firearms, its modern firearms at least, uh, was developed basically the M16, which was the U.S.'s first you know automatic weapon, automatic assault you know automatic assault rifle. Um, before it became, you know, the U.S. military standard rifle, um, was created by a man named Eugene Stoner. 
um, who worked for Armalite. And he created this AR-15 that at the time was uh, was basically automatic, had a 20-round magazine, not a clip, okay? Again, this is going to be the most terminologic episode that I've put out. A magazine and a clip are two different things. I know people in the movies, Hollywood, likes to describe a, a, a magazine as a clip. No. A magazine is basically a detachable box that holds ammunition. While a clip is usually something that comes on something we call stripper clips where the ammunition is then fed in to the firearm via a stripper clip. That's why it's called clips. Magazine, magazines are attachable, clips aren't. Remember that. Um, but anyway, he invented this rifle that was able to put you know, the force of a rifle round that was fairly new at the time, which is the 5.56 by 45 millimeter round, which is known as the 5.56, or even then wasn't even a 5.56, it was known as a 2.23 um, Remington round, which was based off of the 22 caliber round, 22 caliber Remington round, and, you know, uh, just kind of put all that together into creating basically this automatic rifle uh, assault rifle essentially um and thus the ar-15 was made again it wasn't called the automatic rifle or the assault rifle 15 it was called the armalite because of the company that made it and you know ug stoner was the creator the u.s military saw this um and decided to adapt that into the M16A1. Now, a lot of times you'll hear like M4A1, M1A. A in a lot of terms, especially in the military, US military, usually means advanced. So if this, if there was a firearm that was created, that's the first version of it. If there was a second or updated version of said you know, firearm, it'd be A1 or advanced one, advanced version one. So in the case of the M16, it was M16 and then there was an, an updated version or advanced version that was an M16A1 that was still automatic. And then M16A2, that became a three round burst. Um, I think it was still in a shorter caliber or shorter barrel length at least. And then M16A3, fully automatic in a 20 inch barrel and then now what the US military still uses is an M16 which is the A4 variant which is a three round burst. I believe the M the M16A2 was a semi-auto. It has semi-auto function only. But the A4 variant was the three round burst. And then it could also fire in semi. So that's basically the kind of the small just there and small terminology. Now we're going to get into the meat of a lot of these gun laws that were made well before African Americans could even obtain said firearms. Of course, the Second Amendment states that a citizen has the right to bear arms. Okay. Now, when this amendment was made, I want you guys to remember, this was made in the late 1700s. 
okay this was right after the revolutionary war um the, the second amendment clearly states a well-regulated militia which is basically civilians and regular everyday folk like myself and those out there listening being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be in french okay it basically says the government has no right to come and take our freedom to protect ourselves and arm ourselves which is a sense it is true the government in no particular reason has the right to take away our firearms and to a sense i agree that i i consider myself a gun advocate okay a firearms advocate i'm not a gun nut i'm not somebody that's like there's somebody that not isn't going to want to compromise for me it's teaching those the proper gun safety gun you know treatment gun regulation all this but also willing to compromise on certain aspects of that second amendment because the second amendment has been a hotbed of topics since really since it was made into law and then it's been revised so many times i think the last revision was in 1992 and then you've had so many acts and then so many other laws that are basically sub laws underneath that that have changed so much that it's 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 wild um i think the last major thing happened in 2004 which was the assault weapons man which basically said civilians can no longer have automatic rifles or automatic anything um and that's when the atf basically started cracking down on that type of stuff the the alcohol tobacco and firearms division um there's something they're they're a federal agency um they're they're something is all i'm gonna say um you know it's they're something they are something um there are a lot of headaches to they cause a lot of headaches to a lot of people um, including myself um i'll explain that in the second part of the episode um but they're a hindrance on other folks as well um whether it be good or bad and it's uh, you know it's a federal agency is all i can say it's part of the federal government but um so the second amendment right to bear arms shall not be in french i'm all for that i also think there should be compromises to that amendment again like for instance we're in that modern day of where mental health basically coincides along with the second amendment because a lot of these recent school shootings or not even school shootings recent shootings in general it's usually been caused somebody by somebody that's been in a mental you know whose mental health wasn't at a hundred percent for the most part a lot of the recent shootings have mainly been mental health that hasn't been addressed but some have been sped that way which is um bullshit in a sense and others have been truly where the someone's mental health capacity is just not at tip-top shape and that's been creating a hotbed of topics so i'm i 
can compromise on that part, on the mental health aspect. Other parts, like uh, the civilians wanting to own automatic weapons, there's a specific reason why, and I'm glad, people that are also like me, that are Second Amendment strong, um, or as a good Koolian Noir, talk about him in a little bit more, likes to call them amosexuals. Mm, you can look that phrase up if you want to. There's a specific reason why in 2004 the US Congress decided to put a ban on automatic weapons or assault weapons, I guess. It's because coming from former military members, those that have, you know, used automatic weapons, even with the proper firearms training, you know, basic stance, position, trigger placement and all that firing an automatic weapon and trying to be accurate with it is impossible even if you have it mounted to something or you're bracing something because you're is so many rounds going off at so little time like 600 something rounds a minute or upwards of that that trying to control that in automatic fire it's fucking hard a lot of military members will tell you this from experience it's hard trying to control an automatic weapon especially if you're in a standing stance correct proper techniques shooting techniques it's still hard to be accurate in automatic fire that's why a lot of the times from what i've seen and what i've heard a lot of military members that were stationed over overseas would usually just go auto, you know, just semi-automatic because it's more accurate that way. Um, you take your time between shots to, you know, get your bearings and see where you're hitting, where you need to make adjustments and all that. So I'm, I'm still glad that that ban is in place because unless, unless you own a, you know, you have a class three license, a National Firearms Act class three license which allows you to have automatic weapons in a gun store but you can't sell them like you can use automatic weapons in your gun store they can be rented in said gun store but they can't be sold it can't be taken out or anything or else you get a big ass fine from the ATF and possible jail time too so that's what the National Firearms Act does is putting certain restrictions in place so that you know the owner doesn't get in trouble and whoever took the gun doesn't get in trouble too now to the point of why are a lot of these gun laws inherently racist well the second amendment was made for citizens of the u.s you know who wasn't considered citizens of the united states when that amendment was made black people that's right black people african-americans it, it just, again, this is a podcast that's talking about how so much has happened to us in the past and has basically spilled over to now is just been inherently racist. The same goes with gun laws. Second Amendment was made for white citizens. Black citizens we weren't citizens. We didn't have the right to vote then. We didn't have the right to do anything, really. We were still considered slaves. 
All right, some of us was free, but still getting this, didn't get the same freedoms as a freed people. Okay. Um, freed, which still treated like shit. And you wanted to do stuff like the white citizens did, but you couldn't because you didn't have any other freedoms. You were a freed person, but that was it. Okay. So a lot of these white citizens that had guns and had their homes, you as a black citizen, you couldn't do that. You couldn't own a gun because you still weren't considered a citizen. You didn't even have the vote to write or you didn't have the right to vote back then. Okay. And even then now, some people say that right's being taken away. Uh, eh, that's for a different time. That's for a different episode. But the point is, a lot of rebellions have happened that have been somewhat. There's been probably a couple that's been successful. Every other rebellion that's happened in the U.S. or in, uh, you know, very Central American, you know, Caribbean countries, they've been quelled because a lot of those black you know citizens didn't get their hands on hardware like firearms because if black people back then had done if Nat Turner had successfully carried out his you know rebellion it'd be a different ball game okay but because they weren't get they couldn't obtain firearms like a lot of the white citizens did his rebellion was quickly quelled among other rebellions that were also tried. It's because black people didn't have the access to guns like white people did. They didn't have the abundance of access to guns like white people did. And that's shitty. That's inherently racist. Okay? That was in the 17 and 1800s. Let's fast forward to the civil rights era. Okay? Black people had been able to vote for about less than 100 years at that point. Okay? A lot of amendments were made for to allow black people to vote and then allow women to vote. Now it's the civil rights era. Voting has come under again and so Congress passed the Rights Act of 64 and 65. But then this is where time Vietnam is starting to pop up, the Black Panther Party started to become a thing. Okay? Here's where it got inherently racist, these gun laws. Okay. I believe it was in California at the California State House where there was a group of Black Panthers that were, I think they were either protesting, I believe they were protesting um, a new law or s protesting somebody um, and they decided to open carry their guns okay this happened in 1967 um there are about two dozen you know black panthers that decided to go you know to california state capitol and just basically was doing the same thing as the white people they were open carrying um so um California back then I think was an open carry state and for some reason 
the the Black Panthers decided to just kind of they were I don't know they were they were they the purpose of them being there at the state capitol wasn't to intimidate. I think it was to more so protest what was happening inside the chamber of the assembly at the time. And you know the the chairman uh, or the speaker pro tem was Charles B. Um, very uh, it, from what I can tell was a very not a very nice person. And he basically ordered state police to take all take their weapons but the black panthers was simply there because it's an open carry um but and but state police still took them away because they weren't concealable even though at the time you were allowed to open carry but because the state police took them away because they weren't concealed is why that law is inherently racist and any other gun laws after that is inherently racist because of this one fact that two dozen black panthers who showed no intimidation but you know you've had kkk members with guns and all of this clearly show intimidation but the police were like nah that's fine but the minute you see 24 black men and women with you know semi-automatic weapons or automatic weapons at the time too, show up to a state house and not be intimidating, but just simply standing outside and protesting in an open carry state at the time, okay? Have their guns taken away from them. And the reason they were giving, or the reason they were taken, was because they weren't concealed. Which is a dumbass reasoning. Because they were black. And so it gets to the fact that inherently any gun laws that have been made since 18 or since 1789 have been strictly to have been just inherently racist and not be for black people. The, the government then didn't want us to have firearms in, seven, in the 1780s. They didn't want us to have guns in 1967. And they damn sure don't want us to have guns now, even though 2020. 2020 was the year that saw the biggest boom of gun ownership among black people. Gun stores across the U.S. reported high sales numbers of guns being sold off the shelves, and the majority of them were black people. So that shows a lot. Shows a lot that black people at this point in history with so much going on in society that now is the time we arm ourselves and protect our families our communities because we don't know what's going to happen now you have so many so much radicalization of everything nowadays that you don't want to be one of those victims you want to get a firearm you want to train train practice to not only protect yourself but protect your family protect your community and again, that's something that white people are scared of, is black people being able to do something for themselves. Having to rely less on public services like the police. And instead of calling a cop car and calling an ambulance. Because it's not going to be me that's going to be sit there buried. I'm going to 
it's going to be somebody else that's going to need that ambulance instead of me. And that's something that black people right now are starting to do is buy guns, train with guns, get better with guns to protect themselves as well as their family and their communities. Because that's that's the most important thing. It's protecting yourself, your family, and your communities. We're going to take a break. And then I'm going to come back and talk about my experience with firearms and how, you know, firearms have shaped what I want to do and just kind of how I've kind of broken the stigma of owning guns and then breaking that stigma amongst my family members who were anti-gun in a sense, but not really. So, again, uh, stay tuned for that second half, but... Definitely stay tuned to this ad by no one better than Anchor's than Anchor Podcast. And we are back talking about this thrilling and favorite topic, one of my favorite topics of mine this week. And that is guns. About the, you know, political side of guns inherently racist you know not all gun laws make sense unless you're white then it makes sense but if you're black it doesn't make sense to you um that type of thing like basically oh we're allowed to do this but you can't just for your own safety it's like why wouldn't i be allowed to do if it's the same law that applies to all of us you know but it's time to talk about my experience with firearms and how I've kind of broken the stigma in my own family of where it we kind of anti-gun, I guess. Um, in this, I guess, in the sense that we never really owned a lot of guns. But um, let's start with my my father. Um, talked about him a lot on the podcast. Uh, I was just kind of digging through his closet one day. I think I don't know what I specifically was looking for, or it might have been after his, his death where we had to go clean out everything. Um, and I just kind of was digging through, and then I felt something that was felt very heavy. The handle was very heavy. Stood on my tippy toes and saw it was a it was a it was a revolver. Um, and I was like, huh? Whose is this? And then there was some some shells. Um, that's also another term. You don't call them bullets, okay? You typically call them rounds or shells. Even then, shells are mainly shotgun shells. Um, and so, basically, shells are shotgun shells, but rounds mainly are talking about pistol rounds, rifle rounds, um, that type of stuff. And so... And, you know, rounds and stuff like that. So, uh, it was a box of, I think it was still 50. And he had this revolver. I remember, it was a, I think it was a Smith & Wesson Model 32 revolver. I don't know if it shot the Smith & Wesson, you know, 32 Smith & Wesson. I think it did shoot its 32 Smith & Wesson round. Um, Held six rounds in in the cylinder. 
um, because revolvers don't have magazines. They have cylinders that usually hold only about uh, between five to six rounds. A lot of the modern revolvers now can hold upwards of eight, eight rounds of very powerful, uh, you know, handgun cartridges. Um, so you know that was probably that was my first instinct of no, not instinct of seeing a gun. Uh, previously in high school, I had shotguns before, um, you know, mainly shotguns or scatter guns, um, just doing some good old skeet, skeet shots, um, with my friends who were country people that owned guns that had been around guns a lot longer than I had been around them. And I would just basically shoot skeet. Um, I wouldn't say I was the best at shooting skeet, but I got better because practice is important. And you know, just basically with stuff like that, um, just shooting skeet, shooting shotguns, whatever. Uh, my senior year in high school is when I started getting a little bit more in depth, in a sense that um, the I was in a uh, AP German class, and the guy that was in there, we were both on the exchange trip, and we went out to a friend of ours' field one day. You know, I asked my friend, asked one of my other country friends, hey, can I borrow your shotgun because we're going to shoot some skeet or whatever. And he was like, yeah, sure, just make sure you bring it back or whatever. Um, this is when I was kind of dumb because I don't remember. Okay, I do remember I did not bring it on to school, school property. That is how you become a felon in any part of any state is how you, is bringing. doesn't matter if it's unloaded or loaded. That is literally how you become a felon in any state, is bringing a gun onto school property. Um, and that's something, thankfully, I didn't do. Now, I've seen stories in the past where, of course, people have brought guns or stuff like that on school property, and they've gotten, they've gotten big back charges. Um, but for me, I've never done that. But, you know, we went to a friend's house, we shot... Um, Shot some handgun, shot a semi-automatic rifle. I think it was like a civilian version of a of a Galil, which is a Israeli-made assault rifle. Um, but it was a civilian version of that. And then we shot some shotgun stuff. I idiotically, instead of trying to find out if there was a round, if there was a shell in the shotgun, I pointed it at the highway and shot. Even though we were about the 50 yards from the probably 50 to 100 yards from the highway I still shot because I didn't I didn't want to point it at people and shoot a shell off in case there was one in there so instead I pointed at a bunch of cars traveling on the highway to see if there was and you know one of the guys dad was like hey you don't don't do that that's no that's improper firearm safety and I was just like, oh shit, my bad. And I was just trying to see if there was one in the in the shell. Uh, or one in the chamber. And, you know, he kind of taught me. He's like, you know, just ask if you think there's one in the shell. And so, basically, after that senior year of high school, I didn't really touch guns as much. But for some reason, probably two years after I graduated high school, my resurgence in this one to discover firearms grew back. Um, I think when I turned, it's probably before my 21st birthday, when I was like, I really want, I really want a gun. Um, I was still too young to own a handgun because in 
I don't know if all 50 states, but in most states you have to be 21 to own a handgun, which is weird. You have to be 21 to own a handgun, but you have to be eight, you can be 18 to own a long gun. Um, in my opinion, you either got to be one or the other. But then again, I don't get paid to make those type of laws. I don't get paid to do anything like that. And so I basically bought a a hunting rifle essentially it, it was a Remington 783 in uh, 308 Winchester and it held four rounds and I bought a box of 20 rounds with it and uh, I had a scope on it already had a you know just a standard scope um, and then I remember trying to, you know, aim down that sight, um, and just kind of going down that, and I got some practice in with it, and then that's when I kind of discovered that bolt actions are very hard to try to shoot as and maintain accuracy at the same time, while trying to mostly keep one eye closed. That's typically how, unless you're very trained to shoot with both eyes open with an optic like that, like a scope, um, just because it's, you know, you're looking through a glass and trying to, you know, keep eye, both eyes open with something that's so, you know, inward and stuff and just trying to focus through that with two eyes is hard. It's very hard. That's why, you know, um, you usually use your most dominant eye to look through that scope. Um, so I, I would shoot with it a lot. And, you know, then uh, one of my, my friends, their neighbor was moving. And they had a... It was either a Marlin or a Winchester repeating rifle that was chambered in a 30-30 Winchester, I believe. Which is a very powerful round that's usually made for killing big game. Big, small to big game is what it's made for. And it had a lot of kick. It had a lot of kick to it. Um, damn near tore my shoulder. Well, you know, kind of almost tore my shoulder a couple of times. Because it was such a powerful round. Something like that that's usually made for like buffalo hunting or potentially killing a bear. Um, so I owned those. Those were kind of my first two firearms that I ever bought. I ended up buying that Marlin for like 40 bucks with the, the rifle itself and then some rounds. Um, and then my dad passed away and that's when I kind of got into buying heavier shit. Um, I ended up buying a, an M14 or an M1A, a Springfield M1A, which is basically a copycat version of an M14. Um, and bought that, bought an AR-15 in in a in a different rifle round, bought a pistol. I bought a lot of shit. Um, train, shot them. Then I went through a period. Where I was like, eh, I don't really want this, so I went out and got something else. Uh, one point I had a SCAR 17 um, or a special combat adapter rifle I think is what it stands for um, had a SCAR 17 that fired a 308 Winchester or a 7.62 by 51 millimeter NATO round 
Um, and then I ended up getting, ended up trading that for another, you know, AR-10 is what something that fires a three, 308 Winchester is called an AR-10. Ended up trading my scar for that. I just went through a period of some things that I was just like, ah, these, those interested me more. I want those. And so I would just trade gun, trade gun, trade gun. By the point of kind of a year or so, I just traded so many guns because I was just like, ooh, these are all interesting. I want to try that and do this and all this. And then I got to a point where I was like, I want a gun that, I want guns that I'm going to like, that shoot very well, I'm very good at, and I'm going to like them. And I didn't really find any of those until probably either last year going into this year. Um, where I, I'm just basically a set of, of firearms that I want to keep and practice with that I know are going to be mine. Um, yeah, going through that whole phase of trading and buying firearms was nuts me that was a period of about the most heaviest for me was about two years or so um and it was a time it was a wild time for sure um just trading trading and trading and trading um i owned an acr at one point and that's that's a rifle i definitely want to get back at some point um so it was it was a wild time time for me for sure with firearms but now I'm just set with the firearms that I have now. Always want to add more. I'm looking to try to get a 6.5 Creedmoor AR-10 that's going to be potentially become my hunting rifle. Um, I've also looked at getting a Remington 700 bolt action rifle for hunting, chambered in a 300 Remington Ultra Magnum, which basically is one of the higher tiers of like big bore calibers that isn't like a 50 BMG or you know any of those other higher ones um, and just trying to get in those you know as hunting or you know competition shooting out distances and stuff like that um, that's that's on my list of things to get and then mainly just practicing getting better with them training with them you know meeting up with a group of people that like to train with their firearms and get better and you know basically join a gun organization gun club that isn't the nra i will say that uh the nra i am not a big fan of the nra just because i it, the nra's had some times where they messed up um i'm actually part of the national african-american gun association or naga i think it's how it's pronounced it's not pronounced that. I think it's pronounced Naga. I'm not a part of the National Rifle Association for many reasons why. Um, I don't think they're for black people like they say there are. Say they are. Um, and it's a bankrupt company that doesn't know how. They just don't. They don't know how to spend money very well. <clears throat> or use money in a correct way. So, you know... I, I don't like the NRA, and it's just that specific reason there. So there's just a lot of cases of gun, you know, a lot of cases involving firearms where the NRA has backed them, but in other cases they haven't backed mainly black people that have used their firearms in the correct way. And that's why I have a gripe with the NRA. I was always have a gripe with the NRA with that. 
with Naga at least, they're by black for black. You know, by black people that have owned firearms for black people that own firearms. And that's why I'm a part of Naga right now. So now to the point of my family, um, kind of converting them anti-gun. This is kind of going to be brief here, but um, my dad owned a handgun. <clears throat> Rightfully so, as I say, he owned a revolver. I own several guns. My brother at one point was very anti-gun. He didn't want to have a gun. He didn't ha see the purpose of having a gun. He didn't see the purpose of having, you know, hardware like that that's made for the military. But now, after what's transpired over the past couple years, especially last year, he went out, bought himself a handgun, okay, went and had CWP classes, where now he is a a concealed weapons permit holder, as an I am myself, um, and now he also has a scatter gun. So he's getting an arsenal. He doesn't use it often. He doesn't practice, which is why it kind of saddens me a little bit that he owns firearms but doesn't practice with them. He's got all this ammunition and all this saved up, but doesn't practice with him. He has a shotgun that he hasn't even used yet. It has ammo for it, but it hasn't used it yet. And it's, it's kind of saddening that you got all of this hardware that you were against before. And then now all of a sudden you don't want to use it. You don't want to practice with it. You don't want to get yourself, you don't want to get better. Um, my CWP instructor always told me to shoot at least 50 rounds a month, if not a hundred so shoot 50 rounds twice a month for practice on you know mechanics proper discipline you know proper trigger finger placement all that proper hand placement and I, I i try to do that you know twice a month um i think i've done it three times this month alone just practice 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 um and then, you know, just kind of share my results with people that are also in the art of practicing, whether it be on Facebook or Reddit. Now, one thing I'm definitely going to avoid now is um, I wouldn't necessarily say I post my weapons a lot. When I do post my weapons, it's mainly to show practice and all of this. It's not to flaunt anything like that not to show off what I have I more so post you know here are my groupings here's what I've been practicing on you know this what do you guys think else I mostly post for constructive criticism not to get likes and follows um, you know and then I also wear a lot of firearm companies that I like like six hour I wear I have a lot of their firearms and I wear a lot of their um, accessories and stuff uh, I have two of their, you know, their pistols that are top of the line to me that a lot of people own and a lot of people like. I also own, you know, some some range glasses that are fantastic. Fantastic. I used those yesterday, as a matter of fact. I also have some um, electronic earmuffs, which are fantastic. If you're a, a gun enthusiast, advocate, ammo sexual, whatever, owning a pair of electric earmuffs is definitely the best purchase you will ever make in terms of safety um and that those are sponsored by six hours so what i'm basically saying is six say six hour can you buy can you guys sponsor me please um that definitely wasn't you know adherent 
me throwing myself out to say to to get them to sponsor me wink wink um but that's just i i like there's certain firearm brands i like to use and certain ones that i know to stay away from and that's that's the thing in you know being a firearm owner there's certain things you know to stay from and certain things that you know you that you like to keep using continue doing and so you know that's why i um is why i own firearms and why i like shooting guns like shooting my firearms because it's a it's a side thing that i like to do i like i would like to be a gun advocate um you know and kind of help bridge i guess mental health with you know properly using a gun and kind of disassociating mental health with that and in terms trying to help those that have a mental health struggle to use to kind of have firearms i guess as an outlet to say or as a way to kind of help cope with their mental health issues because it's been shown that firearms those that you know have some mental problems some mental health uh problems in a capacity can still use a firearm and still man you you know still function well pretty good in society um, and so that's what I want to be. That's why I'm an advocate. I wouldn't say I'm a gun enthusiast who's gun crazy, but I, I'm an advocate and an enthusiast who like who wants to train, 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 get himself better, um, and better those that are around me too. Get tips from former military, former law enforcement. Well, <laughs> strike that, just former military. Um, and the you know just those side of people because they've been around firearms as long as I've been have. well a lot more training than I do and so you know that's that's why I'm a gun enthusiast that's why I'm a gun advocate and that's why I believe gun advocacy is a big thing in you know in terms of just helping people see the good side of firearms while also addressing the bad side of firearms and just getting rid of that negative connotation that you know guns are bad people shouldn't have guns no guns are good using them properly and having the correct training definitely makes them good um and just kind of taking that negative stigma that guns are just inherently bad it's usually not inherently bad it's just those that have bad intentions with said firearms that just makes it bad for people like us and so that's that's something of mine that I want to do is change that sigma and I plan on doing it when who knows today tomorrow next week next month next year but it's something I want to help do and so just to keep you know just to keep it alive well not alive but you know just break the stigma just have just not have that negative connotation so um we're gonna take our last little break here last little commercial break and then uh, we're going to wrap up the show and then kind of talk about next week, I guess. I'm sure there's something we'll have next week, but uh, stick around for this ad from Anchor Podcast. Again, until I get that other official sponsor from Popeyes. So stay tuned.
welcome back to the wrap-up. I think that's what I'm going to start calling just as, you know, the butt half of the show where I've talked about everything I wanted to talk about in the episode and just call it the wrap-up. That's that's what I'm going to call it from now on. And welcome to the wrap-up. So, this episode, what do we talk about? Guns. We talked about the political, racial side of gun laws that were made to basically keep black people down because he came from owning a firearm then I talked about my experience about the guns that I've owned firearms I own and then you know turning my anti-gun family members into you know responsible gun owners and then just talking about getting rid of that negative stigma that guns are bad it's just mainly people with bad intentions using them and just kind of getting rid of those stigmas you know Uh, guns aren't bad people they aren't bad. Guns aren't, you know, anamorph, anaphomoric objects. You know, they don't have legs and arms and just shoot, you know, pull on themselves, pull their own trigger to shoot at people. It's not how that works. That'd be really fucked up if it did happen. Not gonna lie. That'd be scary as hell if that did happen. But it doesn't. Okay, so guns aren't bad. Just have the proper, you know, fundamentals of gun safety, proper training, proper, you know, just gun ownership okay and you will hope you will be the best as you can be unless it, it you face somebody that's in a situation that thinks that you're not being a good citizen even though you know you're following the, the law it happens and it's shitty when it does happen so um yeah that's this week's episode next next week I'm not sure, but I kind of have an idea of what I want to do. Um, I'm going to get back with somebody and kind of just see if they're in the right position to kind of record an episode with me, because um, I haven't had a guest on forever, probably in two months since my, my good friend, uh, Paul Barrick. so that was about two months ago. So I'm going to get in contact with my other other friend of mine. And we're going to see if we can get this little ball rolling, get him on my show, I'll get on his show, and then we'll kind of go from there. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, this this week's episode is going to be, I think, 48, a little under 50 minutes this week, so it's not going to be such a long episode. But um, that's been this week's episode. I'm your friendly neighborhood black man, Jamar Burke, a.k.a. The Sophisticated Black Man. And I'll see you when I see you. Peace.